0: If you're looking for a show about everyday black dreamers and doers, you've come to the right place. Join me on a quest to find ordinary people doing extraordinary things, reinterpreting the rules of the game in order to achieve life on their own terms. I'm your host, Moses Tillman Young, and welcome to the Black Gold Podcast. Coming up,
1: I just feel like that's so important—just to be who you are as an artist, to stay true to yourself, and don't let the noise of social media and comparison like take away from your trajectory. You know what I'm saying? Like, don't let trendy sounds be the things that changes you if that's not actually what you enjoy making. And uh, and ownership—you know—I I feel like too quickly artists are, you know, even if they do well, they too quickly give away things. I, I think take your time with it. Like, really make a plan. Like own as much as your content as as possible.
0: Today with me on the Black Gold Podcast I have Keon Gibbs and he is a rapper originally from Botswana who moved to Vancouver, Canada and he has now become a full-fledged artist in the rap industry and he just got off of tour and uh, he has taken the time to sit down with us, and discuss his his art and his craft, and also his new venture in its own record called One Hundred Collective. And uh Tion, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. So, in terms of becoming a rapper, like what would you say are some of the things that people would usually overlook in terms of the effort and the work required to get to the stage where you are right now.
1: I think it's some things that people really overlook as far as like developing their career, the artist world, is the amount of consistency and the amount of mental fortitude like you need to have. Like I, I, I really believe like since becoming an artist like I've gone through every emotion you could probably think of I've been depressed I've you know thought I wasn't good enough I thought this wasn't gonna happen for me I had jealousy I compared myself to a lot of other people but also had moments of like extreme joy but it's just the amount of mental fortitude and strength you need to have to keep yourself balanced and thinking that yo it's gonna work out is so so important it's so overlooked and I think. yeah, just, like, your mental stability and keeping good people around you and staying away from, like, you know, the devices that, that, that can tear you down. It's just something that people don't talk about. But it, it, it needs to be, like, really, really, like, at the forefront of your mind.
0: And so in terms of, like, keeping consistent, keeping disciplined, that must have started off at whenever you were like, in terms of having that whole range of being able to experience all of those things. How old were you when you first started to perform professionally?
1: Yeah, I'd say I was probably around as, as Giz, probably about 24 when I started performing professionally as Tion Giz. I've been making music since I was in high school, you know, as professionally, like really trying
0: to make a career out of it. Yeah, probably around 24 years old. 24. And how old are you now? I'm 30. Nice. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, so six years into it, what would you have told your 24-year-old self at being 30? What would you have said to that younger Tion Gibbs in terms of getting started in order to just catapult his career the point where it is in an even shorter amount of time.
1: Trust your intuition about people's intentions and character towards you or your career. And uh, I'd also say probably just make sure you shed your own ego. It's okay. It's okay to take opportunities and play some gigs that don't pay that great in order for there to be growth within your career. But you just got to, yeah, have the right intuition about which are business things to do. And and also, I guess I guess the biggest one would probably be, like, it's okay to say no, too. That, that's something that I, I feel like I really struggled with in my early to mid-20s. It's just like I was a bit of a people pleaser. And I always felt guilty when I said no. But it's it's okay to just tell people, no, nah, I can't make it. I can't do this. It doesn't make sense for me financially.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and also, and along with that, you also need to come to an understanding of you know, like know your limits in terms of what you can do, what you can't do, and also expand yeah. your your mindset to the point where you're willing to learn about how to take on new things and learn different techniques in order for you to essentially just do as much as you can with what you have.
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly.
0: Yeah, and so. What were some of the things that you would say really impacted you as a rapper in terms of the rap that you do? Because the rap that you do, it seems as if it's more of a, it's more fusion than it is simply just, you know, spitting bars, but it's more of a mix of like R&B, hip hop kind of with your rap interweaved with it. So how did you come to like create your own sort of find? How did you find your style?
1: I think a lot of people, when they start, you know, in the music industry, it's, they have an artist or a couple of artists that they really love and, and they just kind of mimic that person. And that's just kind of where they, they learn their, I guess their like cadences and that, that's where they get their nuances to how they create music is just kind of through that process. And I just think it's just like shedding that away is, is, is a, it takes time. So I'd say for myself, I really started finding my sound when I kind of understood just through experimentation, just like the things that made sense for me and what was easy freedom for me to make in the studio, especially in the, in the 21st century with streaming be such a big thing and like having to be consistently releasing music. I just felt as if me spending a long time really processing and thinking about, every single lyric and bar meticulously was kind of taken away from the overall feeling of the songs. And I just, it was a lot quicker when it was more like R and B and funk based and groove based music. And I, would, I just kind of realized that that's kind of becomes naturally to me. And that, that's kind of where the fusion started where I was like, you know what, like let me do what I, I lean into naturally because that's going to be more accurate to who I am anyway.
0: Yeah. So do you freestyle often?
1: Yeah, yeah. I freestyle probably every day. I'll be freestyling to to beats in the car. Sometimes even over other people's raps, you know. And a lot of a lot of my my process in studio is actually just freestyling and whatever melody or or, or lyric comes to my head. If one sticks, that's kind of what I start building the song around. So that's 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 a part of my everyday
0: process. So in terms of of doing that, you said one of the ones sticks. So do you, whenever you get into the studio, do you just like hit record and then you just start whatever comes to mind with the beat? You just like spit it out and then whatever, as you said, sticks. That's the one that you then like take out of that session and then you apply it to your to your next song.
1: Yeah, I, I, that's a lot of it. It's like whatever musical loop or sample or beat is like as something that inspires me I'll start just improving on it and freestyling and just you know kicking rhymes and then whatever happens as though there's always going to be a moment in there where I'm like oh, I can build a song around that and that's when I start like fleshing it out.
0: So what was your journey I'm curious from going to moving from Botswana to Vancouver?
1: What was the journey? So my father, he worked with helping developing countries manage their food resources, and so every three or four years we'd have to travel and move to a different country because he'd have to be in the field. So that's kind of what happened. Where we were, you know, we lived in Angola, we lived in Botswana, South Africa, England, and then eventually back here in Canada. Yeah.
0: Oh, so your family is originally from Canada, but at that time you guys were.
1: So my pops is from Canada and my mom's from Botswana and they met in Botswana. So, you know, like I say, come back here. Cause I, I, I call this home now. So yeah. Yeah.
0: And so you started at 24. Is there a reason why you didn't start earlier in terms of education, like in college? How were you able to balance, like, your your love of music while also having to do studies?
1: So I actually went to college for audio engineering. So I, I knew I'd be in the music industry. So I, nice. I wanted to learn how to, like, make records and, and, and record and mix properly. So that's what I went to school for. And I was I was always making music. But, like, I got projects that are, like, sitting on the deep internet where it's, like, I was in rock bands or I was in like indie alternative bands playing guitar. And, you know, so like there's, there's a lot of stuff that's online that like, you know, I'll let people find one day and and discover that it's me. But um, it, 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 it it just didn't feel like being in a band dynamic is something that's really rewarding, but it's also you're dealing with so many different personalities and different schedules all the time that I felt like, Getting gaining momentum was so hard. So I was like, "Well, I know I can be consistent in in myself as an artist, and then I can for the live show, you know, have this a band for that." But yeah, I've seen it to like start, start being able to make executive decisions towards like how I want things to sound. And that's kind of where I'm at now. Yeah.
0: So in terms of you creating your style, and also you went to. Audio engineering school, which is that like that's like a perfect kind of mat mix together, perfect mesh together for, for your music and also what you want to do. Were there any mentors that you encountered during that time or any influences rather that you would say really were important to you and that you've held on to and like you contribute, like you say to them, like these people, they really helped me out. And they really helped me to establish who I am as an artist today. Yeah, I'd say
1: the person that I I probably gravitated towards the most. So in in Western Canada, there's not like a a great infrastructure for a lot of music. A lot of that's out out east, actually, like in the Toronto area. So in Western Canada, there's not a whole lot. So I really gravitated towards. I, I gravitated towards a lot of athletes because I, I always just drew a parallel with like hip hop music and sports where it's just like, there's, there's a certain amount of, of, of cutting edge that you need to have. And there's a, like uh you got to have a bit of a chip on your shoulder in order to kind of motivate yourself to keep going and want it to like be the best version of yourself you can be. So my good friend, Kamar Burke, he was an ex pro ball player in the Canadian basketball league. And then he actually became a filmmaker, and that's how we connected on a music video shoot. We connected there but we he he kind of understood the world of of art you know by, by 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 making film but obviously his background and being from Toronto and and being from a lower income family like we we spoke a lot of the same language so we could really like communicate really well and, and I found a lot of support and guidance from him as far as just like work ethic and putting myself into the right rooms with people. So I, I I leaned on him heavily and I, you know, I took a lot of guidance from him. And also we just, you know, we built a beautiful friendship, you know, and it's it's good to have people who are level headed and grounded that can just, you know, tell you when you're tripping, basically.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, like and you make yourself, you know, like mini cabinet of people that can advise you on as you yeah. said, if you're like If you're messing up over here, if you need to double down on this thing over there, exactly, 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 yeah. And so, in terms of of recording and stuff, what tools and resources would you say that were really helpful for you? It can be like microphones, or it can be like books, or anything like that that really helped to to hone your technique and your style. Yeah, I mean, I'd say.
1: As far as like a more technical aspect of recording music, if you can get yourself an SM7B, I think that's a really great microphone to have because you don't really need a ton of treatment in your room. So you can kind of travel with it and, and, you know, keep a pretty consistent sound. So that's that's something I'd recommend for everybody. Obviously the brightness of a condenser mic is kind of like the really what you want and it's going to cut through your mix a lot easier, especially with hip hop, but. I also found that the best thing to do is like, you know, for all artists out there who are trying to record themselves, like, you know, put together templates, man. Like, I think when you're already recording your song and you already have like a little bit of, you know, compression and EQ and reverb and delay on on your vocal mix already, it just kind of puts you into the vibe of the track a lot more. So I I definitely think that's something I recommend. Like some people, I guess the technical way of recording is just going to be like, do it dry, do it really clean in a treated room, but that's not the reality. So, you know, like you just gotta make it do with what you have. So I, I, as I recommend everyone use some kind of a template to re- at least record it in so that they have the kind of the general idea of what the song is gonna sound like in the end. And it usually helps the performance I find.
0: What's the template in terms of this case that you use? So like, it's, it's really gonna be like
1: when you're singing, you're going to already have your vocal going through an EQ. So it's cleaning up a lot of like the bad frequencies in your voice. It's also going to, you can put it through a compressor in the template as well. And, you know, that, that'll just kind of, you know, control the dynamic range of things a little bit. And then you can add like special effects to your templates. Like some people record with auto-tune on. So that they, you know, it's not going to be perfectly like in tune, but it just gives you kind of an idea of like what the record will sound like. So if I was to record exactly what we're talking like right now, it would sound just like this. But I you know with a template, I can choose how much reverb is on my voice. So if I want it to sound like I'm in a cave in the middle of nowhere, you know, I have this large cavernous sound to my voice, or if I want to just make it sound like I'm, I'm in a really you know, small room and there's echoes there. I, I can make it sound like that too. So I always recommend artists have a, a few template setups for the vibe of the song that they're trying to make.
0: And are there any template setups that you have that you've like proven to yourself that, okay, this one works for this vibe, this one works for that vibe. Do you have any in particular that you like?
1: Yeah, I have a I have two go-to templates that I use. One is specifically for myself, so it has kind of like my my typical presets, which are actually usually what you'll, it's pretty close to actually what you hear like on, on the final product of my actual songs. So it makes the mixing portion of it a lot easier for the engineer because they already have a reference to go with. But then I just have like a general one that I use for other artists. And yeah, I, I, I just try to keep it pretty clean. Just like, you know, reverb, delay, compression and EQ for the most part.
0: What's nice. And so yes. with that, what you're saying is you can then discover and find, okay, I like my voice, like autotune. I like it over here like this. And then I'll want it to sound like I'm like in a, like in a jazz club. And so I can make it sound like this. And okay. Yeah,
1: exactly. Exactly.
0: Nice. Yeah. So in terms of performing, you started at age 24. Uh, four years in, roughly. 2020 the pandemic yeah um, as a performer how did that affect you in terms of performing live and also was that something that you would say really like you had to really change the some things during that time in order to perform either virtually or in other settings
1: you know in a lot of ways it's like a hot take but I'm really grateful for what the pandemic did for my career because I feel like it was a two year window. I was on an equal playing field with some of the biggest artists in the country and in the world. We all had to go through the same thing and it really allowed me to, to really, to really just, you know, diversify. And, and, and because people were still paying me for gigs, they were all virtual gigs the budgets weren't as large as they used to be. So it really made me look at my current setup and and, and it gave me the opportunity to minimize it so that I had, you know, I, I can make my own, but like, I, I could just go with what's needed for the performance to make the performance good as opposed to just doing it with, you know, friends and fam. Because prior to that, I was a lot of like, you know, I, I want to just build with the people who supported me so it really gave me a chance to like actually just like take register and be like, yo, like, how do I, you know, continue to like make money from gigs? And I had to like downsize my, my setup and I got a really great response from it. So it was like coming out of the pandemic when, when normal gigs were were opening up again, I was like, well, let's just keep that, that downsized setup. You know, we can all make a little bit more money this way and I can fund, you know, other projects.
0: Yeah. Speaking of other projects, 100 Collective.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: When did when did you start that record that record label, and how's it going so far? So the the idea was birth. I did a, a showcase of Canadian
1: Music Week in Toronto in June, and we're meeting with Tiny Kingdom, who is another record label, independent record label in Vancouver slash Toronto, and I, I also. They met with Lisa from The Orchard. And the idea was like just talking about this community that I've been building with 100 Collective because we've been doing a lot of artist showcases over the years, putting people into rooms where, you know, they can perform and it leads them to, you know, meeting publishers or meeting, you know, labels that can sign up or management companies. And then also like doing like digital profiles and building like TikTok content, real content and that kind of stuff for artists, a lot of agency work. And there's been a community that's really been developed around that. And people were just like, well, take it, take your community one step further. Like, you know, like if you can allow those people who are already coming to you to, you know, perform at your events, you know, the opportunity to now release music through you because you're a trusted partner and you're in the same city as them they're going to lean more into that. And I, it just made sense to me. And it's always something that I wanted to do. So we kind of set it up in a way where Tiny Kingdom does a lot of the administration and manages the actual label side of things. And it allows my team at 100 Collective to focus on the branding and the right artists that are going to be able to release music through our platform. And so we have, you know, just done our first release we have a second one scheduled for november here and uh, we have a lot of music scheduled for the new year here with a uh, a lot of different artists we're currently just like you know ironing out the paperwork with people making sure that everyone is getting what they need and can be supported correctly and we want to do things that are very artist friendly so you know we're not you know, it's if, if if we're signing you to the label, it's you know, a lot more leaning on the licensing side of of things as opposed to a more traditional record deal. And we want a lot of more like single distributions and like putting your singles into like packages. So you can do three, three singles with us or five singles with us. And we look at the performance of that and we we reassess after that to see what we can do next to continue to grow. Not only the 100 Collective brand, but the artist brand, because that's the most important
0: thing. How
1: many artists have you gotten already? Right now, we're we're slated to have three artists that are going to be releasing with us next year. Nice. Plus uh, myself. You know, there could be more, but I, I... I Personally, I feel like people who are going to be kind of a part of the Hundred Collective brand, I want to keep it a pretty small number so that we can give everyone the attention the attention they deserve. But as far as opening things up for distribution, you know, someone wants to come and they want to do an actual just a, a single with us, then you know they 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 can they can approach us and we can we can hash that 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 one out. But I want that to be more open to. The community. If you make you know good hip hop or R and B music, you should be able to approach us and we can help you with distribution. But you know, yeah, only a small handful of artists that I want to actually call our artists.
0: Yeah. And so, how do you do the? Because I'm sure if you're going to be starting a record, you're going to have a lot of people who want to be a part of that. And so, how do you figure out which artists are the artists you want to be on your label? I think a lot of it comes down to. Uh,
1: the artists like consistency and like how, how, how developed their brand is. I really want to see a strong work ethic with artists. I uh, obviously like the music comes first, you know, and there's a million artists out there who are extremely talented, but if you're talented and you have, you know, a strong work ethic, that's someone that we can work with because In any dynamic, the driving force behind any brand is going to be the artist, you know, like for my own personal career, I've had managers that have, you know, has has been a, a, a lip service manager where I felt like I was working a lot harder than them. But then I've also had, you know, situations where someone kind of, I guess, matched my energy to use like a trendy term. And that's that. That's that's when you build a really, really healthy working relationship with people. Is when both people are able to work very hard, and that's when you see the careers blossom. So that's a big thing that we look for in artists. You know, people who make dope music, who work really hard, and and are willing to take risks. You know, like I I I really want artistically gratifying records that are, you know, we're all we're all in support of, and we all really believe in because. You know, playing the streaming game is a, is a game that will always be there. And of course, we're, we're not going to dismiss the importance of it. But it's like, well, you make a great record. Like, we well, you know, you know how to get you, you, know, like, we know that that will translate well to live music. We know that that'll translate well and it'll, it'll last a long time as opposed to, you know, a two to three months shelf life.
0: And so is the name 100 Collective because it's specifically going to be 100 people?
1: No, 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 no. 100 collective, you know, I, I it just, it just, the number 100 has always, has always been something that's resonated with me. It's kind of how I've like, I guess, lived my life to a degree. It's just like giving everything 100 and going all in. And collective it's just, honestly, it was just a cool word, you know, like it just, <laughs> it just sounded good. Yeah.
0: That's really neat. So in terms of setting up new artists you're looking for, you said it's consistency and and work ethic. And are these artists that are native to Vancouver who are, who are BIPOC artists?
1: Yeah, I mean, my heart is for BIPOC artists. I really want to champion the BIPOC community find a lot of it is like, you know, if you make good music and you're a BIPOC artist, you kind of usually have to leave Vancouver. But with the situation we're trying to set up, it's like, yo, you can stay here and and we could be that conduit to, you know, to help you further your career without having to leave the city. So that's really, yeah, that's really my heart. Obviously, as a the Black man living in Vancouver, there being so little representation, it's like, all right, okay, well, let, let me be that little piece of infrastructure then. You know, and I I always joke around. I say like, it's it's almost like we're buying back the block. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, at the end of the day, a lot of this is just, a lot of this music is black music, you know, and it's like, we should have ownership of that in some way.
0: Yeah. And I listened to, I think it was an interview that you did. One of the two things that you said that an artist should do is they should stay true to themselves and they should also have a sense of ownership of their product. What do those two things, those two concepts, what do they mean to you personally as an artist?
1: I think sincerity and authenticity in not only your music, but just in your life, will only increase your capacity to have long-lasting relationships and a long-lasting career when you are who you are and you know how to present that self and articulate yourself well on a song people gravitate towards that and they will they will follow your journey and, and they'll they'll feel like they're growing up with you i look at an artist like j cole who's been one of my favorite artists for the last 10 years i almost feel like he's like an older brother to me because I've just seen his journey over the years and he he, he documents it so well. And that's and that's who he is, you know? Like some people, like, you know, they're they're really in the streets and they're really about that life and that's what they want to talk about. As long as it's true to who you are as a person, people will be able to connect with it or you'll allow them to enter into your world. So I just feel like that's so important just to be who you are as an artist and stay true to yourself and don't let the noise of social media and comparison, like, take away from your trajectory, you know what I'm saying? Like, don't let tr- trendy sounds be the things that changes you if that's not actually what you enjoy making. And uh, and ownership, you know, I, I feel like too quickly artists are, you know, even if they do well, they too quickly give away things. I, I think take your time with it. Like, really make a plan. Like, own as much as your content as, as possible, especially in a digital age now. There's so much opportunity for for different kinds of, like, sync placement or you know, even performance opportunities where if you're giving that money away, I don't know if that really makes sense.
0: Yeah. And also, as you said, digitally, even with like the emergence of NFTs and all of that stuff, like everything that you make has the potential for just to like pop off and do extremely well. And so you want to make sure that you have a say in how it's used, Some people view it, and in the context in which it's put into because it's some of those things. It's, it's usually like music or art where it's put into a certain context and it's viewed as either so it's good or 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 bad. And so in terms of whenever you have control of your art, of your music especially, whenever it's used, you then control how it gets used and you can really control the narrative in terms of who you are as an artist and the way that you perceive the world through your music and through your art yeah yeah exactly
1: you know I I, at the end of the day like that term control is 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 really big that's a really key word that you said there I feel like having control of your own career and, and being able to have ownership and carry that responsibility is huge you know there is a downside to that as well, obviously. You know, if you if you if you if you go left, you have to take ownership of that as well. But I I do feel as if like that's better than you know, following a blueprint given to you by someone in a suit who doesn't really actually care about you as a person. It is you as a number and they, they wanna just capitalize off of that. But hey, that's what what happened when you live in the capitalist society too.
0: When was the time? What? When, when? Is there a specific event that you would say that caused you to view yourself as an artist? Like, did you wake up one morning, one day, go brush your teeth, look at look at yourself in the mirror, and said, "I'm Tian Gibbs, and I'm an I'm an artist." Was it something like that, or was there? Was it just over time you had this slow kind of revealing of who you were?
1: I think I've kind of always viewed myself as an artist. And I, I I feel like I the first moment I knew that I was an artist I performed the show I was at a festival in a small city called Kelowna in in, in British Columbia here in Canada and there's a festival called Center of Gravity and I performed for a really you know it was an it was like the first act of the day you know the, the festival is going to hold like fifteen thousand people but there's maybe like three or four hundred people at the festival site. And I just performed, and I remember I had had such a crazy palpable feeling of like connection with those three four hundred people, and they were all engaged. They were at the front watching me perform, and I was I I knew in that moment that like yo this is really really like what I I want to do what I meant to do. I needed that by myself, and I guess with time, you know, I I just had the self awareness to be, like understand that. I think you know of two years later everyone around me, even my family, even, you know, my coworkers when I still had a day job, they looked at me as an artist. That's kind of when I knew that, yeah, that's like probably by the 2020s when I knew that the world kind of was like seeing me as an artist. That's, that's, that's how I, I present first. So,
0: yeah. Yeah. So in terms of your career, have there been some instances where you encounter like a, a failure that was so extreme that it made you consider wanting to stop have you ever had an experience like that so far
1: oh man that that happens all the time man i feel like as an artist you know what i'm saying artists are entrepreneur anything that's like it's it's like i said man you got to have so much mental fortitude because I I hate to put it in just like these layman's terms, but when you make art and you release that art, when numbers become a part of it, it's really easy to associate those numbers with the quality of your art or, you know, how good you are. You know what I'm saying? So it's like a lot of it becomes kind of like an acceptance thing and it's 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 gonna be really really demotivating and really heartbreaking when something you care about and invest so much time into doesn't do well so you know if if i've had some releases over the years that i was like yo man like no one loved this no one cared about this and it really was like heartbreaking for me and i've had a couple shows where you're booked for a room and like again like i said earlier like Western Canada, like the population of black people is not a whole lot. So sometimes I go into these rooms and I'm the only black person in the room performing all these songs. And like, everybody wants to hear, you know, Kenny Chesney or some country artist like that. And then I'm here rapping my ass off and people look at me like I'm a psycho and that can be really demotivating. But, you know, it's, it's, it's almost like I, I needed someone a couple of years ahead of me who was doing the exact same thing as me to this be like yo don't don't sweat that like you already knew what it was when you walked in the room you know don't sweat those releases people will enjoy those songs at the shows like i needed that kind of wisdom and i had to learn that myself through trial and error so you know me thinking about quitting yo know, it happened a lot man so any artist listening to this i'm sure you can relate you know but you just got to maintain the motivation and be able to separate yourself as who you are and your self-worth from a number attached to a song.
0: And so for people that want to get started in, in the music industry in particular. Are there some things that you would suggest that they do mentally to prepare themselves for the different challenges that they will encounter? and? The eventual, the eventual failures, as well as resounding triumphs, as well, because you know it's the highs are highs and the lows are low, and you don't really want to have that, you know, up and down experience. You want it to be kind of level. You want to find a balance between those two. Do you have any advice in terms of just building up mental fortitude? As an idea. Uh-
1: I think it's like constantly checking yourself, or having people around you that can check you and remind you of uh, of the game plan and where you're going, keep you level headed. I think that's really important to have people that you can like lean into. I'd also recommend people just set 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 goals for yourselves. And, like I I just like. Every artist, they just talk about, yo, man, I'm going to play Coachella in two years. And it's like, OK, cool. How are you going to get there, though? Like set goals for yourself so that you're, you're able to see a roadmap, you know? And and if you're a, if you're ahead of schedule, great, set new goals, like, you know, adjust consistently. But you can't just, you know, expect to put out a song and and, you know, think it's going to go viral, you know, that that's that's not a sustainable business plan. You can't go to a bank with that. You can't can't do anything like that you have to have an actual like a game plan for yourself so i think that's really important and stick to your plan you know you have to pivot every now and then but all in all stick to your plan and uh, yeah i just think realistic goals are such an important thing for 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 new up-and-coming artists
0: and so in terms of your next steps you just got off tour and you are doing this hundred collectives, getting your record label started. What's next for you in terms of your next, next stage as an artist?
1: My next stage as an artist is to continue to be a, you know, someone waving the flag of culture, black culture for black music in, in Canada, especially in Western Canada. Working on an album right now. I've been working on this album for about a year now, so I'm really, really happy with the direction of where of of where it's going. And I'm gonna be putting that out in 23 Uh, and making sure that I I have access to the right amount of funding and that I'm booked next year so that I can really market this project very well. And that's that that that's 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 my current artist game plan it's just you know I've played about 60 shows this year and I was very intentional it's going to be probably 70 by the time the year is over and I was very 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 intentional wanted the method to be very booked so that next year you know I, I can pick that number down by 20 or 30 but I can you know start asking for a little bit more money for these shows so that I have a bit more free time to be able to make sure the hundred collective records and the artists that I'm working with have proper teams around them and that I'm able to oversee it correctly.
0: It sounds like music is really like an integral part of your life. Yeah. But is there anything that you do in terms of apart from music like any hobbies that you have that you would say that either help you to either get away from the music stuff for a bit or does it even like recharge your batteries in that way? Do you have any hobbies, any interests that you have that you, that you do?
1: Uh, I I think as far as hobbies, like, you know, I, I I think the, I'll I'll say the hobby that's probably the most therapeutic for me and my mental health is walking. Honestly, as boring as that sounds like I, I try to start my day off with, you know, like a, like a, a three mile walk every morning so that I'm able to just like collect my thoughts or my feelings from, you know, what's going on in my life at that moment. And I, I, you know, it, I probably look crazy to people cause I have my AirPods in and I'm just like talking to myself, but yeah, I, I find like, just like speaking on my issues and thinking about my, my thought processes is very therapeutic for me and it keeps me balanced. Outside of that, man, I you know I I got dogs, so I'm, I'm with them a lot. That's my hobby. Yeah, playing with dogs. What kind of
0: dogs? Doberman. Nice. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. My brother, he lives in, in LA, and he does. It is hiking, and yeah. he hikes up Runyon Canyon every I think every day. That's what he does. Well, and same thing for him in terms of like thinking about things because he's in a pretty creative creative space and what he does is yeah he goes on his hikes he usually has yeah you know his airpods in and listening either to like audiobooks or to some music and just (laughs) trying to get the juices flowing in that way in terms of figuring out next steps and new things and so yeah walking really is like it's it's the simplest yet most powerful thing in a way that a person can do in order yeah. to just to just help the mind out and let it get those gears turning and yeah. understanding new things, whether it be, as you said, just talking things out internally that you have or even synthesizing things that you need to do like for your job or anything like that, anything at all. Taking yeah. you like a good long walk or really puts things into perspective and it also shows you things about yourself and about the environment that you never would have necessarily realized if it wasn't for that walk.
1: Yeah, no, it's like, it's, it allows you to really like process. I think that's a, it's a really great tool for processing.
0: Yeah. Well, Keon, this has been a wonderful conversation where can people go to learn more about 100 collective about your new upcoming album and all your all your previous works
1: yeah to learn more about 100 collective just go to our website 100collective.ca we're really active on instagram and tiktok at the 100 collective and that's the number 100 and then just follow me on on instagram at Gibbs 100 the biggest thing that people can do for any artist is is follow them on Spotify. By following someone on Spotify, that just ups their chance of every belief they do being more successful. So, yeah, so if y'all could follow me on Spotify, that would be the number one thing I would say. So I appreciate that.
0: Yeah. And have there been any 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 Black influences in terms of your music career? either in music itself or in any other aspect of your life?
1: Well, yo, I mean, so Kamar Burke, the person I was saying, I kind of viewed as a a mentor. You know, obviously he's a Black man. Being from Botswana originally, finishing high school in Botswana before coming to Canada, a lot of my influences musically, you know, they, they, they come from obviously... Black artists on the, on the on, 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 in, in the continent of Africa. So, you know, whether I'm listening to Brenda Fassi or DJ Cleo or DJ Spook, you know, those are huge influences. And I just always had Black music in my life. It's, it's, you know, songwriters like Tracy Chapman all the way to, you know, Drake. You know, like, it's just like, yeah, it's just Black music has really just been a huge influence on, 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 on me as a, as a human being.
0: Yeah. That's wonderful, Tian. I have one more question for you. And yeah. that is, if you had the ability to send a worldwide text, what would your message be?
1: Cool. That's a very good question. Uh, I think my message would be, you know, I was going to do some shameless plug, but I don't, I don't know if I'd really do that. I'd probably, like, <laughs> yeah, I'd probably just be like, yo, man, I'd be like, yo,
0: there's, there's, there's.
1: yeah, I'd probably just say a little encouraging, man. Honestly, like, yo, just, you know, keep your composure. Oh, no, you know what I'd say? I'd say, you know, keep your intentions pure. It'll all work out. That's what I would say. Why would
0: that that be your message?
1: I feel like if people can have the objectivity and the self-awareness to remove themselves from a lot of tough situations, emotional situations, or situations that may be political or bring them pain, they can just have pure intentions, I I think people can, 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 can proceed with their life and, and understand that like, you know, like if I just do the best that I can and be the best person that I can, like things will in general work out. Obviously there's outliers with that, but I just think anyone who's really in a tough spot in their life, that's probably something that they need to hear, you know?
0: Yeah. And also with that, you need to have an understanding of like your place and who you are and what you can do and what you cannot do. And then also just be open to learning new things and having things that you learn interweave with the things that you know and let it let your intelligence and grow from there and apply it in so many different ways. Yeah, yeah 100%. Well, awesome, Tion. Thanks again. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this episode of Black Gold Podcast, Stories of Black Dreamers and Doers. Please go ahead and subscribe and review the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to the podcast right now, so then it can reach more people. If you want to get in touch with me personally, go ahead and send me an email at blackgoldpod at gmail.com. If you want to talk about the show or if you want to talk about how to create your own podcast, where you can find people and talk with them about the topic of your interest. If you want to go further into doing that, make sure to go to www.blackgoldpod.com and go ahead and scroll all the way down to the bottom and get yourself a copy of the Side Gig Podcast Guide. It's a guide that I put together for you to start a quality podcast on a low budget. So go ahead and do those things, and I'll catch you in the next episode. Thanks for listening.